Good morning, Grace Hill Church. Hope all of you are doing well this morning. I miss you. So sad that we had to be inside this morning. But uh, as as many of you know, we're seeing a surge in COVID-19 infections and our local governments have put some new restrictions down. And uh, unfortunately, that means that we can't use Frying Pan Park uh, for the time being. So we'll have to be online together, but just so grateful that we have the ability to be together online, to open up the scriptures, to be encouraged, and to sing together this morning. So as Evan encouraged you already, I just want to encourage you right now, let's press in together. It's not the same when we're in our homes. It's not the same when you're watching this on a phone or a TV or or your computer or something like that, but for now, it's what we got Let's dig in, let's open the scriptures, let's study together, and let's be encouraged and challenged by God's word this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open that up to the book of of Philippians and also the book of 1 Corinthians. We're actually going to be reading a number of different scriptures from the Apostle Paul uh, this morning. And hey, before we jump in, I just wanted to let you know, normally every single week on Tuesdays at 2 o'clock, we do a live Q&A uh, to answer any questions that you might have from the sermons. And uh, this week, just because of Thanksgiving, it's a short week, we're not going to be doing our live Q&A on Tuesday. However, if you do have any questions from this sermon, please feel free to do uh, what we always do every single week. Go to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com, enter in code 917 and you can uh, enter in any questions, and hopefully in future weeks, as we do our Tuesday Q&A, we can uh, address some of those questions. But this Tuesday, there will be no Q&A. All right, this morning, I want to start off, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a transformational experience? One of those experiences that does something that forever changes who you are, uh, your perspective on life, and the way that you live your life. Right? I feel like I've had a few of these transformational experiences in my life. Um, one of them was the first time that I spent significant time in a third world context, like not staying in a safe hotel or in a compound and driving into a third world context every day, but, but sleeping in a remote village on a concrete floor, eating their food, living their way of life in the middle of a remote village in northern Haiti. It was uncomfortable. And it was tragic for me as a middle-class American. I thought, how could people be happy and live like this? And that was until I went to church with them. And I witnessed how they cried out to the Lord. And I witnessed how they believed the gospel. And I witnessed how they relied deeply on the scriptures and how they were so filled with joy. It was a transformational experience because it was in that moment that I learned, not in my head, but in my chest, that joy has nothing to do with my possessions or my comfort. And so I would come home different, changed. I saw everything around me in a different light. It was transformational. 
Another experience I've had was the now three times that I've walked into a labor and delivery unit at a hospital with my wife because there was a child who had been born there and had no parents to take her home. So the county called us to come in and be their foster parents. And the images of those three little girls uh, swaddled and laying all alone in a hospital nursery with no parents is just emblazoned in my mind. And the experience of scooping them up into my arms and promising them, whispering in their ear and promising them that they will never, ever, ever be alone ever again. That was transformational for me. It changed the priorities, the goals, the trajectory of my life. My definition of success for my life changed in those moments. Just some things in life didn't seem as important anymore. Have you had a transformational experience like this? As many of you know, all of this past fall, we have been in a sermon series called My Blank Home. And because of this pandemic, we have all been spending more time in our homes, and it looks as if that's what's going to happen through most of this coming winter, unfortunately. But our desire has been to address all of the particular topics that might be a challenge for us as we spend more time in our homes. And we just wanted to go to God's word and see what God has to say about these various things. And so we've been tackling topics like conflict resolution and marriage and parenting and loneliness and anxiety, loving our neighbors, among other things. And today, as we bring this series to a close, I want us to notice that as we have talked through every single one of these topics, the scriptures have pointed us to one thing, to one common denominator as to how we should approach these topics, as to what God has to say about these topics. And this one thing is a transformational force. It is something that if our souls encounter it, it changes not only the way that we view ourselves, but it also changes the way we see others and our priorities in life. It will change your definition of success in life. It is the one thing that will transform your marriage. It's the one thing that will transform how you parent your kids and how you deal with conflict and how you deal with anxiety and loneliness and sadness in life. So what is it? What is the one thing? Well, I want to let the Apostle Paul point it out to us. So if you have a Bible, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I'm actually going to pop it up on your screen right now, nice and big, because I want you to see this. But let me read. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 20. Look at what Paul says. He's asking a few questions here. He asks this, where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age. Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? Look at that last statement he says there. He says that God has made the world's wisdom foolish. Now we've talked about 
a number of different topics in this series, and none of what the Bible has pointed us to has been the wisdom, the philosophy, and the knowledge of this world. In fact, Paul says that the wisdom of the world is foolish when it comes to these things. Right? If your marriage is hard right now, he's saying it's, it's foolish to apply worldly wisdom to that situation. If you're dealing with anxiety right now or loneliness or stress or fear, it's foolish to apply worldly wisdom to it. So, so what does Paul mean by this? What does he have to say? Continue in the text with me. Look at this, verse 21, coming up on your screen. It says this, For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, through the wisdom of the world, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, those who are followers of Jesus, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. All right, so what is the wisdom of God? What is the opposite of worldly wisdom? It is Christ crucified. It is Christ. Verse 25, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. In other words, the one thing that the scriptures point us to, the thing that will bring true transformation to your life, it is Christ and him crucified. And to the world, this is foolish. We just read it in 1 Corinthians. The fact that we would look to Christ in the midst of the challenges of our life, it's foolishness to the world. But to those of us who've been transformed by Christ, we have met that transformational force in our life. It is the power and the wisdom of God. And so here's my question for all of us. And that's just whether you're a non-Christian, a new Christian, or you've been a Christian for a long time. Have you had a transformative experience with Christ? That's the question I want us to wrestle with this morning. One of those experiences with Christ where he enters your life and everything changes. The way you view yourself changes. The way you view other people changes. The way you view your priorities and goals in life change because you have encountered the power and the wisdom of God. My fear is that today we have many Christians who claim Christ with their lips They say they believe in the cross, but there really hasn't been transformation in their life. If you look at their life, if you look at how they view and treat others, if you look at their priorities, their goals, how they define success in this world, there really wouldn't be anything different about them than the wisdom of the world. Christ to them is extracurricular, an add-on to their life. Maybe because it was included in their upbringing, but as far as a transformative experience, where now because I have met Christ, I have this lens over my eyes and I see all of life through that lens, it hasn't happened. And as we've been going through this sermon series, the scriptures have over and over and over again 
pointed us to Christ and him crucified as the wisdom we need to apply to these challenges in our life. And so today, as we close this series, I want us to be utterly clear on what it means to be transformed by Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul famously says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says that he resolves to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4, Paul says that our life is hidden with Christ in God and that Christ himself is our life. It's just such a clear statement. Christ is our life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says that we have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. So what does all of this mean? What does it mean to live is Christ? What does it mean that Christ is our life? What does it mean that Christ lives in us? I don't think Paul can say it a different way. Obviously, the Apostle Paul had been transformed by Christ, and his entire life has now been changed, impacted by, and totally redirected by Christ. And so what I want us to do this morning is explore what it means to be transformed by Christ. What does it mean when Paul says to live is Christ, that he is our life, and to humbly evaluate if we have been transformed by Christ? Because if you're looking for transformation in your life, if you're looking for transformation in your home, in your marriage, in your family, your relationships, wherever, it's not found in the wisdom in the world, but in Christ alone. And so this morning, I'm going to walk through two ways, just two ways, Christ completely transforms us from the inside out. And I want all of us to evaluate if this sort of transformation has taken place inside of us. So here's the first one. Way number one, the the first way Christ transforms us is Christ transforms how we see ourselves. All right, I want you to imagine a few scenarios with me. Uh, Let's say that you were married and you were unfaithful to your spouse. You broke the vow that you made with your spouse and you were caught lying about it. What would you have to do in that scenario over time in order to regain the love of your spouse? Or let's say that you were someone who was completely and utterly opposed to Christianity and the Bible uh, to the point that you believe that it was destructive to society to, to the point that you actually believed it was justified to commit violence against Christians. But one day you changed your mind and converted to Christianity. What would you have to do to prove to people over time that you were different? Or let's say that you struggled with some sort of habitual, addictive type of sin. And you knew that it was destructive to you and your relationships in life and you wanted to change, but you just can't. What would you have to do to prove your heart, 
to prove your motivations to your loved ones and your church friends. Now, these are all big scenarios. Some of them I know many of you have experienced, but we all have stuff in our life, listen, that we believe disqualify us from respect within the church and God's love and approval. All right, let me say that again. We all have stuff in our life that we believe inside. The inside voices are telling us that they disqualify us from respect within the church and from God's love and approval. And how much of our lives do we spend trying to prove ourselves worthy of God's love and trying to prove ourselves worthy of acceptance in the church, trying to prove to other people that, no, I actually am a good person. You know who else struggled with this? Was the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote most of the New Testament, pushed the gospel out to the known world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, Paul writes that he is the least of all the apostles because he once persecuted the church. He was that guy who thought Christianity was so destructive that it justified murderous violence against it. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, that he believes he's the worst of all sinners whom Christ came to die for. I don't think this is self-deprecating piety. I think this is something Paul struggled with. I think he struggled deeply with his past. And so when the apostle Paul says that to live is Christ, and when he says that Christ is his life, this is not some ethereal statement detached from reality. No, Paul is making a substantive theological statement that his life and Christ's life have been united together. That the life that Christ lived has now been credited to Paul. This is now his identity. When Paul goes before the judgment of the Father, the Father will not see murdering Christians on his record. He will see Christ on his record. Paul was a recipient of radical grace from God through the cross of Jesus Christ, and it transformed the way Paul viewed himself. He no longer had to prove himself to God and others. He was united to Christ. And brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, it's the same for you. You may feel like Paul felt, I'm I'm the worst of all Christians. If you could just peer into my thoughts and my motivations, believe me, you would agree with that statement as well. If everyone in the church could just see what I've done or what I struggle with, they would reject me. Yet if you have entrusted your life to Christ, this is not how God sees you. You are a recipient of radical grace, just like Paul. You will not be judged. You will not be condemned. You will not be rejected. You will not be cast aside. You're not going to be laughed at. You're not going to be sneered at for the things that you have done. God will not reluctantly love you. No, God will love you as his beloved son and daughter, because this is who you are. Are Christ is your life. 
And listen, Christ doesn't just transform the way we view ourselves in the midst of our struggle. He also transforms the way we view ourselves in the midst of our successes. If you go to uh, Philippians, uh, we read Philippians 1.21 where Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, go over to chapter 3 in verse 4 and look at what Paul says here. I want you to see this. Chapter 3, verse 4, Paul says, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. Right, And then Paul goes to list off all of these accolades, right? his education, his training, his pedigree, how strict he adhered to the law of Moses. Right? What Paul was basically saying was like, hey, I'm the kid who grew up in the rich, successful home. I got straight A's, graduated the top of my class in Harvard Law, and I went and made a bunch of money. That is me. But because Paul had a transformative experience with Christ, it changed the way he viewed himself. And so Paul now says in regards to all of these accolades and successes that he has, look what he says in chapter seven, chapter three, verse seven, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Any success of mine, Anything that's important to me, all of my goals, all of the things that I set my mind to to accomplish compared to Christ, they are nothing to me. I count them as a loss. The most important thing about me is not my success or my job or my education or my accomplishments. No, the most important thing about me is that I belong to Christ. He is my life. My job is not my life. My goals are not my life. Christ is my life. To live is Christ. Christ transforms the way we view ourselves. We no longer make judgments about who we are according to our worldly successes and failures. No, Christ has declared who we are. We no longer make judgments about who we are based off our past. Christ has declared who we are. We are recipients of radical, undeserved, unending love and grace by God. That is who we are. And the reason why this is transformative in our lives, the reason why this will be transformative in your relationships, in your home is because these things are no longer battlefields for you to prove your worth. The things that you feel shame about, the things that you feel success over, those are no longer battlefields for you to prove your worth. When Christ is your life, your worth has been declared and you don't have to clean yourself up to prove your worth. When Christ is your life, your worth has been declared and all of your worldly accomplishments add nothing to your worth. Listen, if Christ is your life, you have been set free from the hard work of proving yourself. Like you can be comfortable in your own skin. And you don't need to be someone different. You don't need to project a different image of who you are. Has that kind of transformation happened in your life? 
where I go from being someone so anxious about what people think about me and the kind of image I'm projecting out to the world to someone who's now comfortable in who I am. You may not realize how hard you are working right now to prove yourself to others. How hard you are working, how much stress is coming into your life because you're trying to prove yourself to the people in your home. How much could that be impacting your relationships? How much is that robbing you of your joy? And so before we move forward, um, I I just want us to to stop right here. I've got another way that Christ transforms us, but I want to stop and I want us to sing. We've done this the last two weeks where we just don't move beyond an amazing truth too quickly, but we let it marinate and we sing about it and we get encouraged in it. So let's not move beyond this transformational truth that we are all radical recipients of grace. Let's evaluate and ask ourselves, how do I view myself? Do I believe this, that Christ is my life? So let's sing together right now, and then we'll return to the scriptures. An orphan lost at the fall Running away when I'd hear you call Father, you worked your will I had no righteousness of my own I had no right to draw near your throne Father, you loved me still And in love before you lay the world's foundation You predestined to adopt me as your own You have raised me up so high above my station I'm a child of God by grace and grace alone left your home you left your home to seek out the lost you knew the great and terrible cause Jesus your face was I worked my fingers down to the bone nothing I did could ever atone Jesus you paid my debt by your blood I Redemption and salvation Lord, you died that I might reap what you have sown And you rose that I might be a new creation I am born again by grace and grace alone But I was in darkness all of my life I never knew the day from the night Spirit, you made me see 
But I swore I knew the way on my own Head full of rocks, a heart made of stone The spirit you made in me oh, I should touch my sleeping spirit was awakened On my darkened heart the light of Christ has shone Called into a kingdom that cannot be shaken Heaven's city sin by grace and grace alone So I'll stand in faith by grace and grace alone I will run the race by grace and grace alone I will slay my sin by grace and grace alone By grace and grace alone Grace alone Grace alone, Amen. That's one of my absolute favorite uh, songs. So it's just good to sing that together right now and just be reminded of who we are and that everything that we are is by grace and grace alone. So the first way we are transformed by Christ is he transforms the way we view ourselves. So here's number two. Christ transforms how we see others. He transforms the way we view ourselves, and then he transforms the way that we see others. So I want you to see another scripture here. This is in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. It's going to pop up big on your screen right now. Look at what the Apostle Paul says about this topic. He says this, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship within the Spirit, if any affection and mercy make my joy complete, look at this, by thinking the same way. What what does Paul mean by that? Paul's going back, he's saying, if you've received the love of Christ, if you've received encouragement from Christ, if you have fellowship with the Spirit, in other words, if Christ is in you, then we need to think the same way as Christ did in his ministry to us. Look, having the same love as Christ, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. What is that? Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. Paul is saying that if we have been transformed by Christ, if we have been recipients of radical grace, then we must also be conduits of this same radical grace to others, right? Have the same mind as Christ. If you're encouraged by Christ, if Christ is in you, if the Spirit's in you, act the same way, do the same things. Consider others more important than yourself. Right, Christ not only transforms the relationships between me and God, 
vertically, he also transforms the relationship that I have with other people horizontally because God calls me to love people and show the same measure of radical grace to other people as he has shown me. I'll never forget when this clicked in my heart. It it was knowledge I had in my head, but I'll never forget when it it made sense in my heart when I had this transformative experience and the ethic of the gospel, meaning where I take how God has loved me in the gospel and I create an ethic out of it by loving others in the same way. I'll never forget when this made sense to me. Uh, It was about two years into my marriage and about three years, if I can be honest with you, about three years after I had been in full-time vocational ministry, wasn't quite a pastor yet, but I was definitely someone who worked for a church, church and te- taught the Bible and all of those things. And I remember I was sitting in a small group, and the small group leader read from Ephesians chapter 5. And it's the part where Paul tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Same thing we're saying, right? Hey, love your wife in the same way that Christ has loved you. And uh, my small group leader just, just made a few simple statements explaining what that meant. Exactly what Paul, what we're talking about right now. Take the sever- same measure of radical grace that God has shown you and love your wife in the same way with the same amount of grace. And I don't know what it was in that moment. But that truth went from something that I knew in my head to something I now understood in my chest. It was like the gospel came alive to me in that moment because I had not been loving my wife in that way. I had not been showing her the same kind of radical grace that God had shown me. I had been burdening my wife with all sorts of expectations I had been harboring bitterness because I wanted my wife to better love me. I wanted her to do more to love me the way that I wanted to be loved. I believed I was justified in withholding close relationship with my wife until she improved. But that is not how Christ loved me. He gave his life for me while I was still sinning. Romans 5, 8, if you want to look it up. He loved me before I loved him. Read the beginning of Ephesians 2. And I was called to love my wife in the same way. Show the same measure of grace to her that Christ has shown me. See, Christ transforms the way we see others. Do you remember all of those scenarios that we talked about earlier? You know, if I was unfaithful to my wife, how long would it take to prove and redeem myself? If I was like Paul and persecuted Christians, how long would it take to prove that I was different? If I struggle with habitual sin, how long to prove that I'm different to other people? Listen, not only are we called to find our identity and our security in Christ when we are struggling and when we are feeling unworthy, we are also called to be those people who minister Christ to those who are struggling with shame. We are to be those people who treat others as if Christ is their life as well, that Christ is in them. And so that is how I'm going to treat them. 
to be the person that takes the radical grace from God and ministers it out when they don't deserve it. When we have a transformative experience with Christ, it changes the way that we see others in every sphere of life, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, within our extended family, within the political division of our country. We are called to minister the same radical grace that God has shown us in Christ. Even if you find someone else's politics abhorrent, even if you're frustrated with how they voted, the Christian loves people the way they have been loved by Christ. Even when you disagree with people on matters of things like morality and race and character, the Christian loves people the way they have been loved by Jesus. Even if you are offended by what someone has posted on Facebook, the Christian loves people the way they have been loved by Jesus. And church, and I'm just, not just Grace Hill, but church in general, we didn't do well in 2020. We didn't demonstrate this to the world. We got on Facebook and we were just like the world, the foolish wisdom of the world. And listen, I know that when we think about this, all kinds of what ifs come up. Well, Alan, what about this? Do I have to love someone and show grace if they do this or they do that? Where do we draw the line? My only answer to that is we can draw the line where Christ draws his line. And the scriptures say that if you are in Christ, there is nothing that can separate you from his love. And if you're struggling right now with how radical it feels to love people and show others that amount of grace, if you're thinking, man, Alan, that's just too radical, right? People have to be able to show up and and, and earn that kind of love from us. What if I can't trust them? What if something bad happens to me? Then we need to understand that Jesus going to the cross for you is 100% more radical because we have all sinned against a holy God and rebelled against him. And yet he still gave his life for us. His patience is infinite. And when we encounter Christ, not only does he transform the way I see myself, he transforms the way I see others. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, you are free from proving yourself to others. You are free from withholding love until people prove themselves to you. Christ is now your life and embracing that freedom will transform your home. It will transform your marriage. It will transform the way you live your life. It will save you from devoting your career and your time to making a name for yourself. It will save you from wallowing in guilt and shame when you could be embracing the ministry that God has now called you to. It will save you from ruining relationships out of a need to always be right. It will save you from harboring bitterness that will only bring stress and anxiety into your life. It will teach you that grace has the ability to heal the wounds that anger and expectation has made worse in your life. 
Have you been transformed by Christ? Have you embraced the grace that he is offering to you? And do you extend the same measure of grace to others? If you're tuning in this morning and you're not quite sure about the answers to those questions, uh, maybe you don't believe in Jesus and you're just considering it, trying to figure out what you believe. Maybe you've always believed in Jesus, but you don't think you've been transformed by it. I'd love to follow up with you personally and talk through how Jesus can transform your life. Maybe you're someone that, yeah, you've always claimed Jesus, but you're thinking about this stuff today and you're going, man, I don't know if I've been changed by it. I'd love to meet with you and talk to you about this and how Christ can transform your life. And so if you're part of Grace Hill, you know how to get a hold of me. Shoot me an email. Let's meet. Let's get together. Or let's get on a Zoom call or something. Let's talk through it. And if you're not a part of Grace Hill, what I want to encourage you to do is go to our website, gracehillchurch.com. There's a connect with us button right in front of you. Click that, fill out the form, send it in. And I'd love to try to connect with you as well because Christ can completely transform your life. Hey, let me pray for us right now and then we're going to end our time in worship. Father, this morning, we are, were met by your word with incredible encouragement and a challenge. God, the encouragement is that in Christ, you have saved us, you have redeemed us, you have made us your own, that we don't have to prove ourselves, that what it means that Christ is our life is that you now see Christ upon us, you don't see our sin. You don't see our past, but you've redeemed us. You've made us your own. So God, help us to see ourselves the way you see us and not wallow in guilt and shame. But God, at the same time, you have also called us to take that same measure of grace. You said, go love people the way that I have loved you. Go lay your life down for people. Go be gracious in the way that I have been gracious. Demonstrate to the world who Jesus is by your love. And so God, help us in that we are struggling with it in our culture. God, the church in general has, has not lived up to this command of yours. And therefore, God, we have not adequately demonstrated Jesus in the gospel to our neighbors. Forgive us. Change us. Help us to prioritize nothing over Christ. God, if there's anyone who's listening today who just, they don't believe they've been transformed by Christ and they want to explore more, I pray you would give them the willingness and boldness to reach out so that we can talk about it. And God, I pray you would meet them in that and that Christ would transform them. And we pray right now that you would be just glorified as we end our time in worship. In Christ's name. Amen.